the Real Kipper and Bourne Show on Sportsnet 590, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet Plus from 4 to 6 Eastern. And remember, download us wherever you find your pod. And text Sammy, JB, and even me, 590-590. Is that your personal number? Way better ideas or answers than we do on this show. Yeah. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick. This is the Toronto Maple Leaf Swedish edition <laughs> of our show. Yeah. Um, so I left here yesterday, went to go play my weekly hockey game with the Zigzags, as yeah. I saw, talked about. Yeah. Just got to the rink. All the guys are getting there. We're all buzzing, getting excited, ready to play hockey, chatting it up. Power in the whole rink goes out. Just I mean, pitch black, like in the room. Like picture how dark a room, no lights, nothing. You pay your registration? Well, listen, it's a bit of a sticking point with our team. We're like, well, maybe they're cutting the lights out on the, all of ASHL because they don't pay. Anyways, lights go out. We're like, well, I guess we'll go to the parking lot and have a beer after like we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> that was your <laughs> Let me tell you, doesn't hit the same without the hockey. And yeah. as we're out there, power comes back on. It was on just long, off just long enough for our game to be canceled. Oh, all for so, not. So huh? we were there from, it was out from 7 till 7.30. We didn't get to play, but we had a cold beer in the parking lot without the hockey, and it just wasn't the same. Are oh, you allowed to have a cold beer in the parking yeah, lot? Yeah, of course. No one ever get in trouble with me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. These days, probably tough, but. Can't be. Yeah, they, I'm, uh, they were partakes. I'm going to hang out with about 16 of my uh, favorite uh, cop buddies this week. Is that right? Yeah, there's a gala going on. Ask them. I will ask them on your behalf, Sammy. Um, I think you're... Uh, I think you need a permit, but I'll look into it. <laughs> you're going to ruin it for everyone. I'm just, no, yeah. no, 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 no. These guys were drinking just pop. Sorry. Yeah, we're having a couple root beers. Yes, That's root what beers. I said. You know, Obvious. root beers in the parking lot. A couple of Root mugs. beers. Yeah. Well, listen, you could, you could have golfed today and made up for your uh, lack of activity. Today is golfable. Tomorrow is golfable. And Thursday is golfable in the city of Toronto. It's really supposed to be. It's supposed to be 11 and sunny tomorrow, 12 and sunny on Beautiful. Thursday. So, what a time of year. Beautiful. All right. Um, now, uh, I take it there's a few people that uh, didn't really understand basically where I was coming across because <laughs> oh, you guys were just licking your chops. You wanted to <laughs> no. revisit no. my stance a little <laughs> bit on Saturday night and the toughness that we saw to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you guys came in here like, you know, a couple of schoolboys with a Playboy magazine, <laughs> right? Well, so happy, right? I think it's great when people pay attention to our show. I do. That's but great. I just was surprised at the blowback. We're not surprised, but I would say you've had a lot of takes in this show that have been controversial, but I think that might have been one of the more controversial ones. People were pissed, Kippy. At what? Uh, you t- saying that he shouldn't have fought. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have fought. The other people should have fought okay. instead of him. I'm just saying that if if there's one thing, if there's one glaring omission from the start of the season up until Saturday night, it was this leaf lack of toughness. Yeah. Would you agree with that? It's yeah. been a major, but you've been major disappointment. Yes. By the way, I was mad because everyone was like, this right? show. And I was like, two of us were against <laughs> Kip on this. <laughs> so yes. for, for me, it's been a major disappointment. Yes. Right? Agreed. The, the lack of toughness. I thought after the yeah. Marshawn incident, 
yeah. what you had to say was potentially one of the best things you've ever said in this show. I told you that uh, I get that you have to start somewhere. Me, I just would have liked it not to have been a 40-year-old defenseman yep. who the Leafs have overtaxed time and time again. And you know how I felt with Giordano the moment they traded for him, mm -hmm. that he's not a top four. He's not a guy that can play like he did in the height of Calgary. But if you use him properly, there's something there for sure. And yeah. Saturday night, I'm watching Giordano now play every game. I see his minutes crawling back to 1920 on average. Yeah. And he's the first guy to go in there and but fight. See, that's, that's not the guy I know I want. But that's what fans see is a guy who came here, takes minimum, pours his heart out. Everyone says there's not enough team toughness. He presents team toughness. Yeah. He, you know, is instrumental in getting things going for them. And instead of coming in here and going, Finally, someone did it. Someone's God, willing to. He's not about the money. He's about but, but the team. And instead of doing that, I, I, we I'm, went boo. No, I'm big picture stuff. I, I'm beyond he, Saturday night. Kipper, I'm going he, big picture. He plays on the team. He is eligible to drop the gloves. That is allowed. And he as I contest. told you last year, yes. be prepared for bat. For the end of the year, when this guy looks slow as molasses yeah. because you've played him all 75, 80 games, and you asked him to go play 17, 18 minutes, and I'm going to say, hey, Sammy, yeah. I know they're out of the first round, but, <laughs> but what about that Saturday in November right. where you came and you just felt great for five but minutes? But it's such a separate conversation than yeah. should Gio have been in that fight I, or not. It's I a thought, conversation about are the Leafs misusing Giordano? 100%. I'm, yeah. he, I'm here well, for I, that I one. went to that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think we skipped over the part where yeah, you went the man term. himself. No, <laughs> yes. I went with, you know, the game that happened the night nah, before. I, I can't do that in conversations. You can't conversate? Oh, I, can't, I can't go for 30. <laughs> we're in real I trouble. Can't, I can't just, I can't go. How are we on TV? <laughs> I can't focus on just 30 <laughs> seconds. I look at the big picture. Yes. Right. Well, Maybe that, that's why we get along or don't get along at times. I'll read the pages. You look at the big book. Right. We'll do the. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I uh, I think he'll probably be slow and as molasses, regardless of if he fights or not. <laughs> well, fair enough. No, too. I don't think so. Yeah, I, no. They, they can manage him all they want, Kip. He's, no. He's no. getting up there. To no. your point, it 12, be... 14 minutes, he's a different player, Sammy. Oh, that's okay? for sure. But there's just no, no way they can. No, you just told me he's still the same player at uh, whatever. Well, I wasn't aware of that uh, number. Like, if you're playing anybody 12-14, they're going to be better. But, like, the they don't have the... So what do you think I'm off. talking about all this time, Sammy? Well, I think about the big picture versus the small picture, where the fight... I don't know what the bearing the fight has on him being slow in the playoffs. He may be slow in the playoffs if they're playing him 20 minutes a night. It's not have anything to do with the fight. That's what we were getting at. I would agree that those are separate yes. issues. But I would. I still think that there's merit there that, yeah, like, Ken, when Timmons is back, does it look like this? Or when, segue time... They acquire, say, Zadorov or Tanev or potentially move off a guy, I don't know, like Brody. Could there be the opportunity for him to get the minutes you're talking about? To be the sixth There's guy who misses no some question nights? that even out of training camp, the Brad Tree Living knew that this defense wasn't and isn't good enough right now to truly compete. And trust me, he is... He's out there every day knocking on doors, and for sure Calgary would be one of those doors. Do I think Calgary's ready to do anything just yet? You hear from some people, they think so. Mm -hmm. I don't believe 
that uh, there's a deal to be made, but does a loss against Detroit Friday afternoon here or Sunday change things? Well, I don't think they're going to do anything while they're in Sweden, are they? Oh, they can do anything anywhere. Yeah, that's been a weird detail here, the whole Sweden thing. Like, I guess they, they could still make a trade. We'll see you when we're back. I don't know. I don't know. If, if, Why would you say that uh, it wouldn't be business as usual? They got cell phones over there. <laughs> sure. I don't know. What? I just mean like, you Stuffing know. Stuffing meatballs down his throat all well, day? I'm just saying that if you fly a guy over there, that's potentially going to be part of a trade. If you're taking somebody off your roster, which you have to do with the money, it might be a big ass to fly him over there and be like actually you're not gonna play anything you're gonna fly back right what well, was our boy uh dangle right stan steve yeah. dangle show he said something like he had heard that there was a deal in place yeah that, they were they were alluding to that yeah that zadorov could be coming here and yeah. potentially brody going there's some well there's some well brody it's co- you gotta understand that, that there's money in and money out that's the only way deals the brody like this thing, work though, really would be surprising to me you know, like, I, I can see, all right, they want to unload Klingberg. It's not working. They need to make money work. Yeah. But, like, you don't have that many reliable guys to eat minutes for you, and Brody has been that. Yeah, but if you replace Brody with, say, a right-handed Tanov, mm-hmm. uh, that's money in, money out. And the Leafs would gain because Brody makes... Five. Probably what half a million dollars more than than the tan of, but that's yeah. just replaced. The minutes are are filled. Mm-hmm. Brody's minutes are filled with a right-handed shot. I think the Leafs would probably welcome that. I mean, but but what does Calgary want Brody for? Right, other than well, a favor, obviously you have to give him something else, right? Yes, yeah, that's yes. It's just not one up, one up here. You're not much worse as a team if you do that, but it would be something. Imagine tree living. First tried to trade him for Kadri Brody when he was in Calgary, right? Tried to trade Brody and then let him walk as UFA. Comes here and immediately trades him. Like he really doesn't like Brody, if that's the case. Uh, there was some rumblings about Brody at training camp, if you recall. That's Scram right beat it. Cervelli was had put out something that like yes. the, yeah. the the shocking guy to be traded from the from the Leafs was he had mentioned they're not re-upping Brody. him. So hmm. I think. The feeling is if you're gonna if you're gonna try to upgrade in any way, shape, or form, you've gotta unload contracts. Now who's who's gonna take Klimberg's four point one? That that might cost you a first rounder right now. I, I understand that you'd have to attach something. First to get rid of Klingy? What did you what did Carolina get for Marlowe? Where do you think Marlowe's game was at that? Point. Well, Marlowe was making six and a half and wasn't very useful. I, Klingberg might be salvageable. Sal, I couldn't even they, say salvage. They, they, <laughs> they don't have any second rounders yeah. left, so like, well, that they're going to want something to take them that, just though. off their hands. You know, for me, that's like a that's a non-starter. No, if one's, I'm the Leafs. no one's like volunteering, helping the Leafs. No, definitely not. See, what's in it for me? You don't sure. think it, you don't think it'd be a little bit different, maybe with. Uh... Tre Living, the guy that everyone loves in charge, instead of Dubas, where they were all claiming his guys just to spite him. That remains to be seen, for sure. I don't know. I just, to me, trading Brody, you better be pretty sure that your defense is still going to be good. Yeah. Because like, he's an incredibly important guy to them at this but very I guess moment. The idea with Brody is he, he, he doesn't hit high notes this year. He is supposed to and anchor there's some a family pair, right? issues, too, going behind the scenes. So yeah. it's hard to tell. You know, sometimes a, a guy's head can not be in a great space. You know, over yeah. the start of the season. Yep. 
And, like, he is there to defend. Uh, he's supposed to make Morgan Riley better. <clears throat> if you have a guy like Tanev, I know I'm dying, sorry. Oh, my. Yeah, something like that. You could see that swap making sense because it doesn't really change your personnel all that much. <clears throat> but yeah. like, you should talk about Sweden? Well, I don't know. I'm just pushing back a little bit on Brody. Like, I guess maybe it's just relative to what else they have that I, like, I thought he's been pretty good this year. Like, I thought he was a little bit shaky at the start, mm-hmm. but him and Riley have been pretty much their, yeah. their only and, guys the on the D. Day, like, like, Zadorov, I don't know if he's better per se. Like, does he, does he look bigger? He's different. Can he be a little meaner? But Zadorov might be a, a good five on a very good team. But I not, do th- not. But Kip, I do think the Leafs would love to have some guys with a little bit of, I don't know, edge. You know, like Brody is not a guy with edge, right? He is never going to raise his voice, get hot no. under the collar, like it, show emotion. It, it's quite remarkable for a guy that was a big free agent signing that came here, played on the top pair, made $5 million, how little he's talked little he's been talked he's about. He's been really good for the money. He's been a good leaf. But I think that if you're looking at this team and you want to change its yeah. personality, you could say, what if we had someone who cross-checks someone once in a while? Or what if we had just yep. a different type of player so, rather than Zadorov? Trying to be different. Teams are calling Calgary right now. And I'm telling you, Zadorov is low on the totem pole of teams being attracted to him. It is Hannafin. Hannafin. It's Tanev. And like this guy is the fifth defenseman on Calgary. Yeah, he's used it. Okay. He's on a team that isn't going to make the playoffs. Well, it's a good he decor, is though. the fifth. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if t- some teams might not even want to give up a third for him. I mean, they're Uyghur, Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev. And, and his him. minutes are... Yeah, behind those guys. But, like, this, I mean, I really like the guys I just named. Rasmus Anderson is one of my favorite players <laughs> to watch. How about Milstein saying he's the best D-man on that, that was core? A- Bit aggressive. Bit of a stretch there. But yeah. I yeah. I guess what I'm getting at here is I'd be very worried about the least decor if it's just Brody out, Zadorov in. You're right, because Brody is like Justin yes, Hall. I agree with yeah. that. That's not what I Brody's want. Brody's like Justin Hall in that you don't think about him, but he takes care of something you don't want to have to think about. So, just defending. So just, yeah. just think and, about the rest of the league now who's clamoring for defensemen, hearing our conversation. I would think there'd be a, a lot of teams going, I'll take Brody. Yeah, five mil Brody, definitely. Right. Every team or, wants you know, defensemen. Eat a little bit of it. If I can get him for four, mm-hmm. four and a half, uh, not a bad pickup for a guy that could, in a pinch, play 20 minutes a night. And he does. Yeah. With some consistency. So, yeah, I get your point that it would be, you know, if he's out, you better be sure it's Tanev back and yeah. you can trust Tanev's healthy and all that. But, like we said, you got you to gotta get some money out. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets a little tricky. Even if you thought you could put a deal together for a draft pick in Robertson or if you want to go higher end, and this is where I think Minton comes into play. If you're trying to attract now a legitimate top four, which I don't have Zadorov in right now, mm. then that's the upgrade is that you start pushing Fraser Minton as – a guy that looks, sounds, and feels since day one of training camp like a first-rounder. 
Here's uh yeah, here's Eric Francis says, yeah, okay, as the good. hockey world tries to piece together various pieces that could make a lease uh, for a Flames defenseman possible, consider the fact the Toronto farmhand Nick Abruzzisi was Matt Coronado's setup man at Harvard two seasons ago. Uh, Leafs fourth rounder was just named AHL Player of the Week with two goals and five assists in three games. So Abruzzisi maybe goes to Calgary as some sort of secondary. Here have this guy piece as well. Just doesn't solve the math. It actually fixes nothing, but it's a guy they right. can have. <laughs> it does. It does nothing. <laughs> yeah. I think he was just named, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was uh, maybe the player of the week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, player of the week. Seven Four points two in three yeah. games. There you go. Yeah. So now he's still high. So what's the good word out of uh, Stockholm, Sammy? Did you get us some clips? What's yeah, they arrived. What's new and exciting they arrived. in Sweden? They arrived. Good. Uh, William Nylander was asked. I was trying to cut some clips of William Nylander, but boy, they just... Couldn't do that to our audience. It's just a little low T. Well, they're all <laughs> little, little, little a low travel. Like, short on words? Or? Short on words, but they basically pulled it out of him that I think he's got 90 to 100 tickets that he's bought for the two games he's there, including his grandma. Let's get the calculator his, out. His grandma who's never seen him play in an do NHL know, game. Do which is know. cool. Do we get a ticket price over there? I don't know how to look that up. All right. 90 times, let's say it's 200 bucks. He's looking at 18000 I should have been able to do that. I know. Leave me alone. $18,000 for Willie. I don't, I, I, I think it's uh, way more expensive than is my first thought. Yeah. So like maybe euros, he's looking at 25 grand. Euros. Yeah, 200 euro maybe. So maybe, maybe he's looking at, euro. maybe this comes out to 30 grand for Willie. And Willie's going, I'm going to get it back on my next contract. I think. <laughs> I'm going to build think, that into my next deal. I think to go see a, an average game over there is probably like 70 yeah, yesterday Euros. we came up, it was like 80, 80 euro for a game. So this is at least 200 euro yeah. for a game, I would imagine. But he'll be fine. You think he'll get by? I think he'll be, he'll, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Well, if, if not, you know, he, he's got a couple more dollars coming. Judging on the next contract. Yeah, it should be good. All right, Sam. So they, got, they got a lot of different, I'm just looking at this. I'm now on a Swedish website, and it's not in English, so I'm having a tough go here. But there's a lot of different options. <laughs> VIP options. Uh <laughs> Hang Kavar, hang in there. Uh, yeah, it's basically sold out here, uh, but I'm Better looking at be. fly yeah, over there. There's one ticket available, and it's I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> read the numbers. Well, I don't know. Carry the one two hundred nineteen thousand, or maybe that's the comma is a period there, like oh, uh, with numbers. <laughs> this is two hundred nineteen. I'm not joking there. Like that's I don't know. When it comes to money, they use a comma. Uh, okay, there. so it's twenty. Touching this. It's right. twenty one hundred ninety five dollars. Sek Swedish Kronair. Oh, I is see. that a thing? Yes. Uh, now I have no idea. So it's a lot. Okay, for one ticket. So he's, he's dishing it out. This has been another segment of Sam is dumb. Born and Sam <laughs> exposed their lack of worldliness and poor math skills. Okay, in about ten minutes, we got Claude Julian, uh, one of the winningest coaches in NHL history. He's going to join us, and maybe we'll get a, a sense on. Uh, the challenges for Sheldon Keefe in Sweden. Yeah. Trying to get the guys to focus. Sounds like they had minimal sleep on the plane, he said. The guys only slept three, four hours. Wasn't easy. All right. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe for Kipper's Clippers, number one on practice. I can't do much today. Today is just really about kind of 
fire the engines a little bit just to kind of keep them awake through the day. It's just it's, that's really it. We're trying to trying to keep them away from the hotel and, and keep them away from being able to to nap or have the body shut down just because uh, tonight's sleep really is vital to, to set us up for the week. So uh, to, to uh, get to bed at a, at a decent time and be able to sleep through the night really is the priority for the day. The skate was just, like I said, just about kind of firing the engines and getting a sweat. He looked like he had just been on a plane. <laughs> yeah. He looked all wiped. Sheldon did? Sheldon, yeah. Yeah, he looked a little wiped. It is hilarious, though, that they're like, we're just trying to keep the boys away from the hotel because they know if they allow them in their room, it's night-night city. Um, But these guys like to nap anyway. Oh, yeah. So just to quickly clean up our Swedish Krona conversation, it is $283 for one of those tickets. There's one ticket available in the rank, and it's $283. All right. So I'm I'm assuming, and that's a lower bowl ticket. I don't know what the, it's an old barn there. I don't know how much it would be, but it's a lot. Willie's in 30K one way or another. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. So there you go. So I want to play this clip from Sheldon about what he's most excited about for Sweden. And I'm, I just really am excited to see you guys. Right, react. Let's have it. Okay. So if we can hear her clip too for Keith, some, some possible drops. The moment drop. I hear museum, I'm cutting <laughs> no, it off. Some possible drops in this clip. So if you could fire that clip for me, Derek. Uh, just looking around and, you know, uh, moving around and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, trying to see as much as I can, you know, but uh, at the same time, I'm just excited to you know, see a, you know, an old building like this and, um, you know, just different culture and all that kind of stuff. And even the hotel and the lunch we had today. Um, we, we, we had a quick little pit stop at the hotel, not in the rooms, but just, to, the rooms. just to get lunch and, and then come here. But uh, just trying to experience what, what I can. And, and also, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, I coach a lot of European players and never, you know, I've never been able to experience, you know, what life is like for them. So I, I've been, it's been fun to talk with them and, and uh, try to give them for them to give me a few tips perhaps on where I should or shouldn't go and spend my time and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just trying to take it all in like anybody else. Hey, where, what are you excited for? Just, just moving around. Walking around. around moving, moving around. around. You know, remind just, me of the Pierre, Pierre Dorian. Uh, moving uh, around and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> answer and they said, what, what's your favorite thing about your team or the best part about your team? And he's like, we're a team. That's one of my favorite clips. I, I was like, what? When, that, when he got let go, that clip circulated, and I had to text Diego because he was the one sitting beside him. He asked the question. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're a team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very Favorite good. part is just being ambulatory. He made it a point to make sure that everybody knows that I'm keeping the team away from the hotel. Yeah. It's like the sleep doctor oh, yeah. out there is going to fine him like $1,000. If, sure if I see anybody Be some going into their room. 9.30 bedtimes tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Well, we saw a picture of them all at the at the Borea movie, right? We, so we did see uh, it was Willie Lilligren, mm-hmm. Legison, yeah, JT, and uh, Yarncroc. Yarncroc. Yeah. No Klingberg though. No Klingberg. In the photo that I saw. Yeah, or maybe he was there too. So uh, I guess you know Tavares gets included. In that tremendous honor. To see this movie with you guys. <laughs> you do a good Tavares. Thank you. Yeah, it's a tremendous honor. Obviously, I'm so excited to see this movie. <laughs> 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 is that why you know, we don't have many JT Kippers uh, clips? That's why he never comes on our Wait, show because Sam can I do listen it. to him every day, and there's just never anything. It's remarkable. He talks to media every day, and he never says one thing of note. Yeah, yeah. 
does the right thing yeah, every know, time. That's, that's what you want from your him. captain, right? It's the guy who what does, does you it. Want? You want the guy to just oh. does it the right way all the time. Obviously, it's a tremendous honor. <laughs> a little bit of emotion might come in handy every once in a while, too. Yeah. JB. Yeah? Well, like, you know what to tell you there. Okay, let's see if he took any of Willie's recommendations. Uh, we'll start with Keith on that. Uh, Willie's the guy I've talked to the most about it. He's just, as you can imagine, Willie's pretty, pretty, pretty chill. Uh, he just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, walk around and take in the sights. So that was really all, all, all that he had to offer. But it sounds like Willie himself has got a pretty full plate while we're here. Um, so I'm sure he's excited to be here. But knowing Willie, he, he likes to keep the focus on the hockey. So he'll, he'll, he'll get his obligations out of the way and all that. And I, and I know all our, all our Swedish guys especially would be excited to play on the weekend. So Willie's recommendations was, were to move around, walk around. Move around. Again. Move around. Wow. He's got to be like at, at the peak of like willingness. Oh, yeah. Right now. The last thing Willie oh, wants. He's going back as another level star. Top 10, 15 guy in the league right like, now. I mean, um, among the four teams. Outside of maybe Daniel Alfredson uh, going back as a an executive for Ottawa, he is he's the biggest name right yeah, now. Yeah, Willie's got a fifteen game Mason, point streak going uh, right now. Raymond, that's no, not Detroit. No. Lucas Raymond. Lucas, sorry, <laughs> Mason. Mason, that's <laughs> okay. a little old back in my broadcasting early days. But Lucas Raymond yeah. is going to be a, a big a big name yeah. for Detroit for a lot of years, but not not in the Willie wheelhouse right now no i'm sure willie who is like you said the number one man in demand and his coach comes up to him hey willie what do you think i should do? i don't know just look around, around. Yeah, <laughs> what do i look like a tour guide <laughs> how do you google it like, <laughs> well, i'm moving Check around out the holiday in man <laughs> oh boys what'd you think of those clips i knew you love them really right, we got a couple more do you want <laughs> you really want to hear them Wow, yeah, I kind of do. It is there point. any like real hockey stuff in this? Uh, well, well, point streaks pretty, pretty yeah. good. Pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's hear his point streak uh, yeah, comment. Yeah, perfect. Clip four. I mean, the point streak is one thing. You know, sometimes there's sometimes there's some luck involved in, the, in these in these point streaks and such. It's you know whether the streak continues or whatever it is. That's not the point. He's just played terrific hockey. He's really uh, been a catalyst for us offensively. Uh, his his effort away from the puck defensively has really matched the effort that he's putting forth on offense. So to me, he just looks like he's really focused on having a great season, which is building upon last season. I thought he took a big step in his in his overall game last season, and he's taking another one here this year. Just I guess maturity, or I, I man, we all can Contract do the link. Here. Yeah, we we can do the link. But we it's understand also that there's physically money. dominant now. But, like, he's a big man. You know, like, I, I think there is an element where he's yeah. just so fast and so strong that it's probably easier yeah. to be I, I don't think he'll ever have that snarliness of, uh, I know of a will. pastor knack. He definitely will not. But he does, he can portray, uh, uh, I don't know, not, not the force because that guy will run you over. I'm not sure Willie will run you over, but he is a strong mm. man now. Yeah, I would imagine there's a level of frustration defending him because you can't seem to get through to him. We saw, like, Leon Dreisaitl gets frustrated at times, right? 
He, someone getting his head. He, he took a fine the other hey, day. Cross checks a guy in the knees. Yeah, you know, like Willie's just pretty chill. Kind of pretty chill. It's a good draw for Willie. <laughs> he's kind of above the fray sometimes. You and could even say he's just moving around out there. He's just moving around. <laughs> That's what he does. Uh, moving around and all that kind of stuff. He's gonna get paid uh, a lot of money to <laughs> never. Uh, you, do you think like he'll ever move himself into uh, a a true leader kind of guy? Like, Pasternak's a leader on the Boston Bruins. J.T. Miller is a leader on the Boston, uh, on Vancouver. And they have that in Leon, in Edmonton, and they all have that, that you know, that, that short fuse at times. Like, I mean, will that keep Willie away from... When you think of Willie, can, could he ever put himself in a position? I'm not just talking about the Leafs or even if he signs somewhere else. Could, could Willie ever put himself in a position where he is, like... The leader, uh, the the guy that you build around. I know you know the answer in is, terms of he's closer than I ever thought. Even at this point, but I would the see guys who lead with their performance. And I think if you look back at the Florida series, you know he was their guy that was going when no one else was. And I would say that's its own form of leadership. But I don't think he's ever going to be standing up in front of the room and you know rah rah cheer type of guy. But, but if he but, if if he has a few nights off. You'll shrug it off because that's just Willie, mm-hmm. and others may not get that same leeway. I would say, yeah, he's a, he's a unique right? individual. Yeah, let's take a break. Okay, we got uh, Claude Julian yep. coming up after the break. Yep, and we'll get into more on coaching and what his thoughts are of on this early season, including what's going on in Edmonton. Claude Julian, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, as we mentioned before the break, we're going to welcome in Claude Julian. 15th winningest coach in NHL history with 667. And they were all really easy. Right, Claude? How are you? Good, good, Kipper. How are you doing? I'm good. Where do we find you these days? I'm uh, I'm in Ottawa. It's not uh, too hard to follow that storyline on a daily basis, I bet. No, it's not. You know, in the, I've been here the last couple of years. We moved back to Ottawa. Family's all here. So I've uh, been able to came down the Senators, uh, obviously a close eye on them and uh, seeing them, uh, you know, go through those uh, ups and downs and obviously uh, a lot of the adversity they've been going through uh, so far this year. So, Claude, we've got the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs over in in Stockholm. When it comes to uh, these type of games and uh, even outdoor games, through your experience, when there are some distractions that can you know, alter the mindset of a hockey club. What do you do as a head coach to make sure uh, those distractions are minimal? Well, Kipper, ironically enough, I think, and and if you look back at the, uh, uh, I guess, the records of teams that went to Europe, uh, remember when it used to go at the beginning of the year, uh, a lot of those teams came back and ended up winning Stanley Cups, which uh, we, uh, Boston, were one of those teams as well. It actually, uh, to me, it actually really helped the team bonding, uh, team building, 
kind of thing. And I thought it was really beneficial for for us anyways as a team and uh, obviously with the other team as well. I think it was LA that won as well and uh, Chicago, if I'm correct. But uh, anyways, uh, it worked out well for uh, for us. So I, I'm suspecting right now for the, uh, the Leafs and for the Senators who are, you know, obviously uh, expecting more out of themselves this may be a good situation for them to go over there and uh, maybe get away from uh, all the distractions that are surrounding them right now and uh, and maybe just focus on hockey and then maybe, uh, again, get closer as a team and, and get the results they're looking for. Claude, the whole league is obviously chasing, getting the results they're looking for, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on what coaches are going through when their teams are struggling a little bit. Jay Woodcroft just got let go, as you know, Um and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to ask you if you think that was necessarily fair or not, but in your experience, you know, how much of it is based on having lost a room in air quotes versus just bad goaltending or bad luck? Like, how does it come to pass that good coaches suddenly, you know, end up on the chopping block and losing their jobs? Well, you know, again, in all honesty, I think we, we realize that's part of our job mm-hmm. uh, and it may happen. And, uh, you know, when you ask every coach, he's going to tell you it wasn't a fair firing and uh, we're all going to stick up for ourselves. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there's always reasons. And I've always said that, you know, I, I don't know of a general manager who's ever made those decisions for the wrong reasons. And what I mean by that is they really feel that it's best for the team. So uh, I guess as a coach, whether you accept it or or agree with it, uh, you end up leaving uh uh, knowing that it wasn't personal. And I think in uh, Jay's case, when you look at his winning record there with Edmonton, it's even harder to understand. But, uh, you know, like I watched some of the games and, you know, when you're playing catch-up hockey, uh, you know, night at, night in, night out, eventually I think you lose the motivation of the players. And that's kind of what I saw from Edmonton. It was like, you know, uh, you get tired of trying to play catch-up hockey and if anything, their game was going in the wrong direction. And I, I, you know, I can't speak for Ken Holland, but was he looking for something to give them some life again and uh, hopefully get them back on track? Uh, I think everybody knows, and, and I'm sure uh, the people inside and, and the people involved as well know their goaltending has been up to par yet and needs to be better if they're going to win some hockey games. I don't think that's a big secret, but at the same time, uh, the games I saw, uh, I thought defensively there was a lot of puck watching versus awareness of where the players were in their own end. And I think that the, that really hurt them a lot as well. So you can put the blame on the goaltenders, but I think as a whole, and then some of the players mentioned it, it's on them and not necessarily on the coach. We're talking to Claude Julian, who's coached uh, 1,275 games. 667 wins. Uh, some of those 1,200 g- games, Claude came with the transition of no cap to a salary cap. And I'm just wondering now, the added pressure to to change coaches as quickly as we saw in Edmonton. Can you ever recall coaches feeling the heat 12, 14 games into the regular season like we just witnessed in in Edmonton? And is it because it's the one change we can make that is an easy thing to do, unlike moving a contract in or out? 
Well, I think, you, you know, I kind of agree with, with your comment there. There's no doubt there's some, uh, a lot of pressure to do something with the situation. But I think Kipper, uh, last time we had talked, we had talked about the fact that, you know, with 32 teams and only 16 making the playoffs, it's a lot of pressure on not just the coaches, but the GMs as well. And, uh, you know, owners expect results. Uh, they pay big money for these teams. And uh, obviously the uh, the money that they make in the playoffs is important to them just, just as much as it is in the regular season. So I think right there and then there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of pressure to, uh, I guess, make moves, as you mentioned, uh, when things don't go well quicker than, than what it used to be. And uh, you're right. I mean, that's a quick... Uh, I guess that's a quick change to make when, when uh, again, we mentioned earlier, uh, this is a coach that's had the best winning record in, in the Oilers' history. And uh, 14 games in, 15 games in, he, he's he's out. And, uh, again, took them through uh, a lot of playoff series in the two years he's been there. So he's got a lot of positives on his side and yet uh, wasn't able to keep his job. Claude, you have taken over a team, uh, you know, partway through a season. I believe the Montreal Canadiens at least once. What is that experience like as a new coach taking over the team? What are some of the challenges that you have to, uh, hurdles you have to get over to to have success? Well, the the one thing is, you know, a lot of times you'll go in there and you say, I think I know what I have to fix, but how much time do I have to fix it? Because as you know, once the season starts, there's not a lot of practices, there's travel, there's you know, the mandatory days off. And at the same time, you know, you're dealing with uh, making sure the players get the proper rest and all that kind of stuff. So it's not easy to make those adjustments in season. And I think the the best approach, and I'm saying that, I guess, from a little bit of experience, not only once, but twice I went into Montreal halfway through a season, is that you can only do a little bit at a time. And, uh, you know, while you're doing that, you just hope that the players because of the change, have got some sort of motivation that they're going to go out there, play hard, and give you a chance at least to win some games as you're making those adjustments. So uh, that's the best you can do because you can't go in there all of a sudden, and especially if you're, you know, you're totally different than the last coach and say, I want to change the four check, I want to change the neutral zone and, and the way we play D zone. There's no way in the world you got to accept the fact that you may have to live with some of the things that they've been doing for whether it's a couple of years now with in Jay's situation and say, well, I'm just going to tweak things here and there. And if we're going to make major changes, maybe we have to wait till next year's training camp. Oh, 10 years in the Boston Bruins, which included two Stanley cup finals, of course, one Stanley cup. And uh, this is the year they lose Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And this is also the year they're supposed to not, start the season 11-1 and 2 because of it. So surprised or not surprised with uh two players that uh, have meant uh near and dear to your heart. Well, Kipper, I think uh first of all, I think it's the second year they've been uh they were supposed to struggle at the beginning of the year, but the, the one thing I'm going to tell you about Boston and and it's been like that for years now is that they have such a good structure and it just seems that whoever they bring in there uh, just buys into the philosophy and the structure that the team wants. And because of that, they're able to continue to have success. Again, you know, uh, who's your best player? Your goaltenders. And uh, both of them have played well, so that certainly helps. But defensively, they're big, they're strong, they they protect the, around the net area and kill a lot of plays. So 
you know, with their with their long sticks. But the players come back. They they respect the uh, system. And then, you know, right now, it's not like they're blowing anybody out because they have lost some key players, as you mentioned, Bergeron's, Kretschies, and others, uh, even Taylor Hall, and then Bertuzzi, who was playing well with them last year when he got there. They've lost a lot of uh, firepower, but now instead of winning maybe with the a lot more scoring than they had last year. They're winning those tight games. Claude, you're living in Ontario again, and you're joining us during our Leafs hour. I'm sure you've been force-fed Leafs content over the past couple of years. You have an idea what's going on here in Toronto. Uh, what's your assessment of this year's iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, that's, you know, it's it's really not an easy question to answer. No, I know. <laughs> when, when when I look at them, you know, you see a lot of good things from them. And then you see other times where you say, you know, I would expect them to be, be a little bit better. And yeah. uh, as we all know, uh, everybody has their their reasons. Everybody seems to know why they're struggling and what changes they should make and everything else. But, uh, you know, I, I think you got to give them a, a little bit more time. As you guys mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of changes that are me, being made early in the season uh i just use the example of, of max domi and uh you know i was watching him at the beginning of the year and having had max for a couple of years i know max is one of those players that really thrives on confidence and if he knows you have confidence in him if he knows you, you have trust in him he's going to play a lot better and i think he was trying to feel his way uh, into the team earlier on and and you again being a local boy and been around Toronto and and his dad and everything else, I think he must have felt a little bit of pressure of of doing so well right off the bat. But now you're starting to see, you know, Max uh, do the right things. And then when I say do the right things is Max really had a good year with us in Montreal because not only was he skilled, but he was taking pucks to the net and he was going in those areas. And when Max is good, that's what he does. He really does that well. And uh, if Max stays on the perimeter, that's where you kind of lose the Max that that you know can be as good as he can. And uh, and what I've seen lately, and when you've seen him, you know, produce now, he's taking pucks in the net. He's going to the net. He's skating. He's playing with a lot more confidence. So I think in his case, uh, you know, it's it's just a matter of time, and hopefully he can stay on that. Uh, on that trajectory, but uh, same thing. I mean, with Bertuzzi, uh, I don't know if it was just because he was a good fit in Boston, but uh, he was such a good player for them. Uh, I I actually thought when uh, Toronto signed him that that was a good signing because again, he's the guy that goes to gritty areas. He'll go to front of net, and I think the Leafs needed that kind of player. Right now, I don't think he's found his game yet, but uh, once he does, I think the fans will appreciate him more. Claude, the term they used just moments ago, uh, structure, and we, we tend to hear it now more than ever. And the Leafs, much like Edmonton earlier in this season, were uh, you know accused of not having great structure. And as a head coach, when, when you know maybe that, that there's a vibe out there, would a coach automatically know that if, if there is a lack of structure, that it has uh, a lot to do with either... Uh, Lack of effort, lack of focus, lack of uh, talent, or you know, not getting the save. Is it is it clear to you, as a coach behind an NHL bench, why it doesn't appear to be as structured as say other teams? 
Uh, it does, Kipper. And, uh, you know, like that question really shows that you've played the game for quite a while and uh, know what's going on. But, you know, the biggest thing for me is that structure is one thing. And, and you can't uh, put too much structure into a team where the guys are overthinking. What you want to do is clarify things so that the guys think less. And if they're doing the same thing all the time, structure means the other people that are surrounding them know exactly what they're doing. And that's why a lot of times teams that have good structure are always in sync and they seem that the people seem to say, my goodness, you know, they, they just seem to know where everybody is on the ice. Well, that's what structure does. But let's not confuse structure with, you know, leaving uh, creativity to the players as well. To, to me, you know, you come back on the back check and you're coming into your D zone. This is where structure, you know, whatever it is, you say, listen, this is once you cross the blue line, you haven't got your guy. You got to find someone that you have to pick up. But once you get in the other end, in the offensive zone, you know, as much as you'd like to see guys going to the net, whoever has the puck and has got talent, you got to give them the ability to to use that talent and be creative. And I think that's the balance that I think I've seen in, in good teams where players respect the fact that they have to be structured in certain situations but have the ability to be creative in others. And for you throughout your career, that's what you were kind of known. Safe to say that you are a coach that is from the net on out. Like if you don't have that defensive structure, then your your first thought isn't how to how to outscore your mistakes, correct? Yeah, and and you know, Kipper when when for me when you play good defense it wasn't that you were a defensive coach. When you played good defense, it meant that you got the puck back quicker and was able to play on offense. And that's what we had to sell the guys. And uh, I remember my first year in Boston when I got there, you know, the Mark Savards with 96 points and Patrice Bergeron with, I don't know, 70, 80 points or whatever it was. But they're all high minus players. And at the end of the day, that's why they didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, when I was able to sell them a little bit more of a, a defensive structure and really bring that part of your game to make it as important as the offensive type of game. If you look at the stats in the following year, Mark Savard still had lots of points. I think he might've been in the eighties, but at the same time, he was a plus player and played in the playoffs for the first time in his life at the age of 31. So, you know, those kind of things I think is just, it, it's, it's not well received when people think, Coaches are, are defensive-minded. The defensive mind, in my book anyways, is let's kill the play quickly so we can get the puck back and go on offense because I'm all about offense as much as anybody else. Okay, one more because I found it, I find this fascinating and I want to squeeze one more in for you, but I think it's got to be quick because we're running out of time. And that is that you, you mentioned it twice. You had to sell. You had to sell a program, a, a strategy. Is it harder and harder now that you got kids who have grown up with skills coaches and I coughed up a pizza up the middle of the ice. I know not only that I risk not playing the rest of the game or being a healthy scratch the next game, being sent to the minors. These kids today, they go, eh, no, eh, no problem, I'll get it next shift. I mean, is it a harder sell today to these kids, what you're talking about? Well, hey, hey every generation changes, right, Kipper, from the day we played to now. And, uh, and, and I've always said that as a coach, it's so important that you adapt. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. And, and, you, and to answer your question is, is yes, it's a little 
harder to sell. You know, uh, we talk about sense of entitlement sometimes that sets in. And what you got to do is not worry about the sense of entitlement, but you have to worry more about how am I going to sell it to this player? Because a lot of it is individual now more than it is group. And uh, so how are you going to to get this guy to buy in and uh, and it it's it's very uh, possible and and it's there because you see it on a lot of teams that have success. You look at the Connor Bedard, who's you know having a great rookie season, but he'll be the first one to say, "I still have a lot to learn." And with that attitude and you know uh, knowing Luke Richardson so well, Luke is so good with with players individually and uh, collectively. I'm sure that uh, we're going to see uh, him have a lot of success. Uh, with Luke as a, as a as a main coach because uh, as a player he seems to get it uh, and he's got the right coach for him as well. Claude, fantastic stuff. We really appreciate your feedback today. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Claude. Claude Julian, that was great. And yeah, he's all about structure, his whole career. And sometimes he did get labeled as a oh, you know, this guy wants to win every game two one and clog everything up the middle and it's unwatchable. Winning's but, you know, never unwatchable. Yeah, and, you know, he's saying it's about getting the puck back and playing on offense and adapting to the kids and a lot of stuff. You know, I don't think Claude Julian's done coaching in the NHL. And he's 63 years old. There's older Listen, guys than him in the league. It, it was, do you go to another young, inexperienced coach? I, Claude Julian wouldn't have been the worst choice to buckle down a few things in Edmonton. No, fair enough. We'll see if Chris Knobloch Should can have asked him if you got a call. Turn it down. Didn't pay well, where have you money. been for the last 20 minutes? Why don't you just jump in there and ask him? You're right I'm here. My name's on the show. I'm not one of the hosts, boys. You're supposed to come with that. Yeah, and don't you forget it. <laughs> don't you forget it, Sammy. I love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mike Kelly, hockey analytics specialist, is going to give us some numbers to crunch. Sure. Useful or useless? Useful, useful, useful. Mike Kelly, after the break, another hour of Real Kipper and Born coming up.